fun thing. There, there's a lot of things you like to do. Like I like photography. I like to cook. Uh, I like to write. So, so those right. are the only. How do you keep doing? How do you scratch that itch? Right. <laughs> exactly. You know? so exactly. I've, I've got this website, and it kind of allows me to do a lot of that stuff. The JimBradStatter.com. Right. Correct. That, that, yeah, I was on there today. You have some wonderful photos. Those are some gorgeous. Aren't those photos. fun? Yeah, and I've got. I've got other stuff. I'm going to change them up about every month and do a different collection of things. The ones I got up there now are flowers, and I've got uh, wildlife. I've got black and white stuff. You know, the the artistic the artistic part of me. <laughs> well, well, and I was gonna I was gonna ask you about that too, uh, real quick. What's something that you haven't photographed yet that you're looking forward to or searching for that that photographic moment? You know, that's the, that's. You put yourself in position to get those photos if you can. Like, I love wildlife. So, like, Robbie and I, my wife, went out to out west. We took a lot of pictures of the mountains and uh, uh, Bryce Canyon, things like that. But oh, gorgeous. as a photographer, you, it kind of shows up. It, yeah. It's like you're not right. sure where, where it's going to come. I've got a photograph of a, of a dead crab on a beach where <laughs> the wind had blown and created this triangle behind it. So the crab is kind of perfectly preserved, and yet behind it is blown sand, and it's a different color. It's, and, and that, you, you can't make that stuff up. It's, right. And, and right. If you have, it's like most photographers will tell you, they got lucky. Yeah. And kind of that's what I try to do is I try to get lucky. Like in one of the uh, floral photographs I have on my website now, there's a little uh, – prickly kind of a needle-like flower and there's a bee on it yeah and i happened to be visiting my friend dan deardorff yeah up in alanson and there's a fish hatchery up there and so we went to this fish hatchery trout and along this little boardwalk around through the area where there are ponds there are flowers and i caught this flower and i said oh my god there's a bee on it and i got real close to it and it became a very very nice picture i just got lucky yeah uh, the that's kind of, that's so kind of cool. what, where where I'm going to find the next one. Just yeah, I can't wait to see it, and I can't wait to. See, I, can, I hope to see that crab photo on your website sooner rather than it's later. it's coming. <laughs> we'll be up there. Keep, I, I'm <laughs> trying to, keep thinking, and plus, there's a lot of recipes up there. I've, I've noticed I'll that you're I'll, cooking. I'll tell, you, I'll tell you about that during during the show if you want. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Oh, and, well, and let's, well, are let's, we doing it yet? <laughs> yeah, let's get let's get right into it. Let's get right into it. Yeah, yeah, I, didn't, I didn't know whether you you go like this or whether you have an open or a close or whatever. But boys in the wood. Well, I'll ask you this one too. Go ahead. No, absolutely. Floor's yours, my friend. So, where did you guys come up with Boys in the Wood podcast? Where'd that name come from? <laughs> Well, we're, we're two Upers. We're from uh, the UP of Michigan and uh, just kind of figured it rolled off the tongue. There, there's actually another podcast and those guys are into aliens and weird stuff and whatever, you know, it, it has nothing to do with us. We're all about just uh, just having a conversation with people, you know, whatever their interests are, anything. You know, uh, we have people, a lot of mental health stuff. We did the last podcast with a lady from Australia who survived a lot of really traumatizing things in her life. And we're to talk to anybody about anything. And she she ran a she ran a crime shoplifting ring in Australia. Oh my! Wild story, and the the mentality behind it is us youpers. One of the things we do often 
is we leave our house in the woods for a tent in the woods or a cabin in the woods and we sit and talk about life just uber ways and in multiple different perspectives of life so the more we hear about the person the better the conversation how about that that's so cool what part of the up are you guys from at schoolcraft county from a little old town called manistique michigan oh i know manistique that's beautiful yeah, it's a gorgeous little place to have a wonderful little boardwalk a beautiful lighthouse filled with some yes. really nice people well Robbie and I are big Upper Peninsula fans. We've gone many times. We we visited the the zoo up there. We've been to Pitchers Rock. We've been all over the place up there, and we've really enjoyed our time. Um, yeah, one of my greatest places to go eat is in Brevort, right on uh, two there. Where they've got okay. yep. I forget the name of the thing. It's like the wild whatever it is. They got the best pasties in the world up there. Absolutely. Oh, um, the hands down. Right, hands right down. on the main road as you're going west. It's just, we yep. love the UP. And another quick example of my interest in stuff, there's a there's a magazine out called The Great Lakes Pilot. I don't know whether you guys have seen it. Yep. That's the same thing you guys do. You read some of the stories in there. It's historical about a lot of the villages and, and life in the UP. Yeah, uh, I read a story last year about life in detour, and and the mail delivery in an area like that, and and that to me is fascinating because it's the history of Michigan. Yeah, I mo- I moved to a city and experienced twenty four hour shipping for the first time, and I thought this is the greatest first world blessing ever created. <laughs> <laughs> well, and now now. Not to get completely off topic, uh, I think this is a beautiful moment. You've mentioned Robbie a couple of times, and through looking through the internet, I've I've noticed how important she's been to you. And I was just wondering if you would like to touch on that. I I know that, uh, not to bring up 2017 too much, but it appeared in a conversation you had that after a few minutes with talking with her, everything kind of became clear. And if you would like to, we, we would love to hear about how important she is to you. Well, well we've, we've been partners for over 40 years. I mean, when we got married, it was, and we've not done nothing. We've done everything together. And, and that's kind of one of those things where over the years, so what, what I do is important to her. What she does, does was, is important to me. Uh, and we both, uh, you know, support each other in that regard. I mean, I'm, God bless her. She's She's been home alone on a number of weekends when I've been traveling around the country doing Lions games and doing Michigan games. And she's gone to about every football game at home that she could go to. And, and has had a wonderful career herself. Oh, absolutely. She was a, hey, believe me, for the first 30, 40 years of our marriage, well, still to this day, uh, a lot of people know me as Mr. Timmons. Yeah. <laughs> because, uh, well, she was would a we major, major story and a major personality in the city of Detroit on Channel 7 doing the news. But like I said, we've done everything together. And uh, like we don't take a step without checking with each other to find out whether it's the right step or not. And uh, we trust her. I trust her. She trusts me. And we're both buddies. Now, and that's right. so fantastic to hear. And I'm sure she had a little input with your new book uh, that you could also find on the website. She knows more than a lot of people do. Believe me, she's not <laughs> shy about giving her opinion. I, I will say that. <laughs> Good. Good. Well, would we want it any other way, though? No, exactly. And, and that's the thing. I think when I started doing this, 
I would play some of the recordings of the of the people that I had for her, and she said, "That's great stuff. You need to use that. You need to figure out a way to uh, utilize this material that you have, and not just let it sit out in your garage." And and so I, I toyed with the idea, of maybe doing pieces on Facebook, and, and then I thought, you know, you know what? If I put these all together in a book, it would be really cool and write a narrative to it. And I'm so I'm glad you did. I'm glad how, you did. Yeah, that's kind of how we did it. And so the audio book, I think, is is kind of historical in a sense that I've got the voice of the guy who scored the first touchdown ever at Michigan Stadium, Kip Taylor, back in 1927, telling me the story of how he was running down the field and Benny Oosterbahn was running there with him. I mean, these are (laughs) are giants. These And I've got him. Mr. Taylor has since passed, but – he tells me the story of the joy his father had of watching him score that first touchdown and not realizing at the time that it was any big deal. Yeah. But uh, when you consider the history of Michigan Stadium, that's a big moment. And I've got that's the guy today talking about it. I've got Ron Kramer, uh, Bob Chappius, Forrest Evashevsky talking about how great a player Tom Harmon was. And, and in a way, it keeps the history of Michigan football alive because let's let's be honest. I've done some speeches where I've gone and talked to younger people. And, and I've said the name Tom Harmon, Forrest Evashevsky, and they look at me like, who are they? That shouldn't happen. No, gosh, no. You know, you, but but so if, if I've become the accidental historian, then so be it. Right. But I think the foundation of Michigan football should be celebrated and should be known. And if I'm the one that's going to do it through this book, Voices of Michigan Stadium, by the way, it's available on jimbrandstatter.com. Jimbrandstatter.com. Uh, go to the opening page, and there's a button there, and it'll take you right to the Amazon page where you can buy it. And um, it's just it's got Bo talking to me in a you know unedited way. And, and when you hear his voice, if any if you guys knew Bo or heard him on any interviews, the intensity in his voice when he talked about football or some of the moments of his life. The hair will stand up on your arms. He just still has that command, and and that's in the book too. So it's so fantastic, uh, and and you can find the link on jimbrandstetter.com. Well, see that's That's so fantastic. See, you're the voice that my father and I. He would get disgusted with the TV, and he goes, "I'm turning Jim on." He turned the radio (laughs) on, and he literally had the TV on, but he didn't want to listen to them because. They're going to get the wrong call, and I'm listening to Jim, and that's my father, and that's the way that I was raised. We, I grew up listening to your voice. Oh, great. Game, that's it. Well, Patrick, thank you, and thank your dad, too. He kept, he kept me in business there for a lot of years. Oh, yeah. I really appreciate it. Well, and to talk about business for a lot of years, something Patrick and I had, had, had brought up, your life from 1970 to 1980 seems out of this world from plan for Bo from 70 to 72 you got two rose bowls big 10 player of the year in 72 you were hired as the flint sports director yeah in 74 yeah. you're playing for your brother for the <laughs> and, and you're playing in lansing on a football team while you're also transitioning from flint to lansing jackson area on wilx if, could you tell us a little bit about what your seventies was like? Well, it's weird for your back brother. Then, yeah, back then, 
you know, I wasn't going to play in the NFL, even though I did get an opportunity to go to New England. And I spent, New England Patriots, yeah. Right. I, I spent like, uh, I, I like to call it a weekend in New England. <laughs> Before they said, you know, maybe you ought to go to Canada and play football. And I said, you know, I, I, you know I'm not good enough to do that, so I'm going to start a career. So I sent out probably 50 different tapes and audition type things to radio, radio, TV stations. And one of them got back to me, and it was WEYI and Saginaw. And I, I went up and interviewed with a guy named Dick Fabian up there. And yeah. uh, I got the job. And, and I was so delighted and pleased. I know I didn't make any money at all. I, I think my first, my first paycheck was like t- take home was $75 a week. Oh and, and I got $10 a week for gas money because I had to drive my own car to go do stories. If I was covering a high school game at night, you know, I was taking yeah. my own car. The, 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 the station didn't have company cars. So, and then from there, you just work your way up. You try to do some things. That, real quick story about channel, small market television and radio. The night that Richard Nixon resigned, there was nobody else in the newsroom except me. So I anchored the, no, true. I anchored the 11 o'clock news that night. I did news, weather, and sports. And it was Nixon resigned. I did about 12 minutes on that. I did about a three-minute weather cast and about an eight-minute newscast. (laughs) And I said goodnight and sent it back to the CBS station in New York. But anyway, that's what happened in the small market. Went to Jackson to move on. uh, Got a great job there. And then 1978, 77, 79, I forget, I got a job in, in Detroit. And yeah, yeah, it's a 19, yeah, from 75 to about 80, you, you were in the, the Jacksonville, Lansing area. Right. And, and, that's, where and, I met, that's where I met Robbie. That's where you met Robbie. Uh, she was anchoring the news over there at Channel 10, and I started uh, doing the sports uh, on the 6 and the 11 o'clock news. She went to Detroit, then I went to Detroit. And and while I love the news, uh, and, and, it, and it's a part of sports broadcasting, my real love and, and – direction where I wanted to go was I wanted to do play-by-play. I wanted to be at the event. Like yeah. I tell people about sportscasting. If you do Yeah, if you do the 6 and the 11 o'clock news, you usually talk about what's going to happen or what has happened, or you've done a story and a feature and you've written and done a, a piece. And, and I said, how can I be at the event? How can I actually be there as it's happening. And the only option for that is play-by-play. Obviously, my background is football. After having played at Michigan, I mean, that's the other thing. In seventy, in January 1 of 1972, I was in Pasadena at the Rose Bowl playing Stanford. In October of 1972, I was anchoring a newscast in Saginaw, Michigan. That doesn't happen very often. <laughs> no, that's I was looking at. Like, I was like, how did he – did he sleep? Did he say? I, I, yeah, <laughs> well, hey, when you're 22, you know what it's like. Yeah, when you're 22, you know you're indestructible and you'll do anything. I look at my schedule when I was broadcasting Lions and Michigan games and flying you know, from Ann Arbor to Los Angeles overnight, or or yeah. Ann Arbor to Dallas, or or from wherever Michigan played from Philadelphia, uh, or, or or from Colorado one day to Philadelphia overnight. I mean, it just. It's hard to get there. And I, I think about sleeping in airport lobbies. I think about sleeping in my car. And I look back on it and I go, God, how did you do that? You must have been nuts. <laughs> but but when, you're 40 years old, when you're 40 years old and 35 and 40 years, it's an adventure. You know, when you get to be 65, it's kind of a pain in the butt. But <laughs> it's what I love to do. It's my passion. And that's the 
that's kind of the real reason of, of, of why you do it because that old statement of if you have a job you love, you don't work a day in your life. Yeah. It's was, true. It's I true. You can hear it in your voice. And was, we've heard it in your voice and we see it. 30 years of inside Michigan football. You've been, you've had some of the absolute best guests imaginable in this in this world i i'm so so grateful for you well i, um, I i'm lucky I, I, I people ask me when i retired um you know what do you feel we you know what the old story okay give us what you're feeling now and i go you know what i feel gratitude and i feel so very fortunate because you just said it uh charles i i'm so lucky and i've had so many great opportunities I look back on that and I just say, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm that guy that fell in a pile of crap and came up smelling like a rose. And that's kind of, <laughs> kind of the way I it's a good that. damn fertilizer, Jim. <laughs> <laughs> I know. And, and, and I'm just delighted that I had the opportunity. I mean, over the years, all the things that I've done, people that I've met uh, through the work thing, uh, like I said, I, I can't even imagine writing a script. If you wrote the script, some Hollywood producer would send it back to you and say, I'm sorry, that can't happen. Right. We hear about it even more on your podcast that we also find on jimbradstetter.com. You've got, you're into season five now, episode one. You talk about uh, the NLI with a very smart individual, Mr. Jared Wangler. Um, it's a wonderful, wonderful episode. If, if anybody has not heard it yet, definitely go. I appreciate talk a little it. bit about the podcast. Uh, well, sure. I, it's it's one of those things where when I first started, uh, again, doing the retirement thing, people said, you got to do the social media thing. You guys understand. You do a podcast. Right. Yep. Keep you busy. Um, yep. Even though you've got other jobs and you're doing things, it kind of keeps you, you know, engaged. And I, that's why I wanted to stay engaged. But I did a podcast once, and it was it was one of those ones where you do it weekly and it's timely and and, and once you do it on the internet, it never goes away. And so I did something, and about a month later, I'm going, you know, looking through all this stuff, and I go, why is that still there? That's way out of date. Let's get rid of that. And they said, no, you can't get rid of it. It's on the, the thing. I said, well, I don't want to do that. I want to do something that somebody can listen to two years from now and yeah. still be relevant. Right. And yep. so I said, how do I do that? And I, I have you guys, you guys know about Detroit, you guys know about Detroit and some of the great personalities there. Uh, you remember Mike McCarthy? Who's that? Do morning radio at WJR in Detroit? I no, I, I'm not familiar. Well, JP was a giant, and, and he okay. used to do a show at noon on WJR called Focus, and it was just an interview show. And the thing about Joe that was so great was when he did these interviews, it felt like you were eavesdropping on two friends having a conversation. I always thought that was perfect the way to do an interview, and I thought. How do I do that and put it on the internet on a podcast and make it relevant a year later? So I said, you know, you got to be historical because you, if you can't kind of get timely, but you can still have great historical moments. How do you talk to people so that a year from now they can listen to it? So I started this idea of having a conversations with, and they're basically people in my wheelhouse. For instance, in the past, if you go back to past episodes, I've got Mickey Redmond from the Detroit Red Wings. I've got Dick Purton, another great radio personality. Uh, I've got Matt Millen. Uh, I talked about Matt. I talk about Matt about his career with the Lions, but that never gets old. No. You know what I mean? Yeah. Some people think it should get old. But but anyway, so this year, for instance, I've got Jerome Bennett. 
he will be one of the episodes this year, along with Dick Honig. We talk about the officiating issues around the National Football League and in college. There have been a lot of issues. I mean, Michigan oh, yes. had a touchdown taken away from them against TCU on a reverie call on a replay that was just egregiously bad. Yeah. As a Michigan fan, <laughs> I feel like my nightmares are filled with referee calls. Oh, we, we, <laughs> hey, you're not the only one, okay, Joe? Uh, all of we have We've enough time been, on the internet. For this. As a matter of fact, in my in my yeah, in my office, uh, I, I was fortunate again to be good friends with Bo. I have the picture of that was in Bo's office when he was alive of the Charles White phantom touchdown in the Rose Bowl, where you can literally see the ball fumbled at the two-yard line, and the referee in the end zone put his hands up, signaling touchdown. Oh and leave it to Bo to have that photo know. in his office. Oh, yeah. Like, fans, it's like I look at that every time I'm, I'm on a computer. It's right up over there, and I look yeah. at it, and I go, why do you do this to yourself? Yeah. <laughs> it's like Maybe to remind, maybe to remind us that life isn't fair. Maybe, exactly. maybe it's just anyway, a small Life isn't fairly yeah, that's, yes. that's the idea of the podcast. And, and so I, it's kind of like I'm hoping people who listen, one, are informed, but two, they can be informed and interested and entertained. Uh, yeah. Whether they listen to it now, and it's there, there are episodes up there from years, from a couple of years ago that are right. still relevant to this day, that are still interesting. And Very that's so. what I wanted to do. It's kind of like I, I'd like you to be the eavesdropper listening into two friends having a conversation. And the best part about that, I, I think you're 100% correct, because when you get the opportunity to eavesdrop on two friends having a conversation, you hear a story you didn't realize was relevant. Like Mr. Dick creating your entire career by answering one email out of 50. I, I love that. It's just hearing that it's, friendly conversation, you find and, out the tiny things. And you guys, you guys being youpers, yep. you probably know it better than anybody. How many times have you been sitting in a, a, a bar or a uh, any place where you've sat down and there's two people down and you just kind of overhear something and yeah. you go, isn't that interesting? Because that's yeah. where in, in small communities, I, I, I know a little bit about that, small communities, you really get to know and, and hear things uh, about the town uh, yeah. from those from those type of uh, uh, those type of places, it could be a, a diner in the morning having coffee and, and donuts or a breakfast where you hear two guys talking in a booth across the way about uh, the, the fishing that they did last week or yep. whatever. But that that's where you kind of get your news and you and I I find it to be let's put it this way in my broadcast career and I'm sure you guys you learn more by listening than you do talking. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. I, my, my wife hates it. I've brought the small town mentality to the big city. I'm not allowed to go to a grocery store alone. I come out with three new best friends. Oh, that's it's a, just not a good place. That's a shame. I, I, I feel for you. I do. We were, when we first moved down here, uh, we would go on walks, and I met this gentleman. I, we passed three times. His name is Steven. We're now best friends. And she's just, she's struggling to find a friend. I'm like, I'll put up. Add in the classifieds for you. Isn't that, isn't that one of those things you'd like someone to say about you after you're gone? It's like you never met somebody that he wasn't a friend with. Right. Oh my goodness. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's I, kind of the way I, I, I kind of like it too. That's why, you know, everybody I think is interesting and, and everybody yeah. has a story. 
and, and maybe that's part of my background too of why I like the Great Lakes pilot. You know, yeah. there, there's a lot of stories out there, and the only reason you don't hear them all is because you won't listen. Right. Uh, one of the questions I love asking, because um, I, I know we're we're getting close on time, so and you guys, yeah, don't worry about time. I don't know how long <laughs> you guys go, but I'll be I'll, I'll keep my answer shorter. Oh, no, 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 no. Our time is your time, Mr. Bramstetter. Absolutely. Thank you. So, so a question I, I love to ask. Um, now, growing up, your family was was big Michigan Staters. I'd noticed that. But uh, what did you want to be when you were a kid? And and then and then what happened in life that 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 hit that moment that went, I want to be a broadcaster? Well, this this is going to be stupid, but I really wanted to be a broadcaster. I mean, when I was a kid. I used to do impressions of Kurt Gowdy, you know, and, yeah. and Pat Summerall and Ray Scott. You remember Ray Scott? He used to do Green Bay Packers games. He's, he's on yeah. the old NFL film. Well, I'll never forget at one point, I listened when I was a kid in high school to a, an announcer out of Chicago named Red Rush. He did Loyola basketball. And he yeah. had such a delivery. It was cool. Back then, they were sponsored, you know. And and yeah. they and he would give nicknames to the players like, one of their big big men in the middle was called Ajax Tillman, and his announcement would be, and that rebound is the Ajax Tillman. Now you know why they call him Ajax, because he cleans the board so well. <laughs> <laughs> but in that, that's the stuff that kind of got me and said, oh, I want to be that guy. Or, or he, Red Rush would say things like, uh, uh, Jerry Harkness with the jumper, it's up, and it's, oh, so good, just like Ganella bread, G-O-N-N-E-L-L-A, Ganella. <laughs> And they were one of the sponsors to the broadcast. So I always thought how cool that was. And then I got to know and, and hear guys like Ray Scott and the different styles. Ray Scott was the minimalist, kind of the Joe Buck of his era. Yeah. yeah. And in the Green Bay game, the Super Bowl, against – it was KC or Oakland. I'm not sure which. But here's – here. this is literally I, – I, now, this shows you how big an impression it was on me because this is a, 50 years ago now. But yeah. here's the call of a touchdown for Green Bay. Star, Dowler, Green Bay touchdown. It was a television play-by-play call. And, and for me, as a guy that wants to be that, I said, you, you call that TV shot a whole lot different than you would call the radio voice. But that's yeah. all he needed in television. Yep. You saw that Star got the, the snap. Yep. You saw him fading back. You saw him throw it, and it was caught. It was caught by Dowler. You saw him run into the end zone. So all you needed was star, Dowler, Green Gosh. Bay touchdown. <laughs> and, and, and that just that resonated with me, and I said, I want to be that guy. And then got into college, you know, and thought, well, I'm going to be responsible. I'm, I'm a high school, so I'm going to be an architect. That lasted two years. <laughs> then I took a, then I took a speech course and and got into the radio television end of it. At that point, I said, "I'm going to see if I can make a living at this." And like I said, luckily, you know, thank the Lord, uh, I was able to make a living at it. Well, we yeah, so, I mean, and go ahead, Patrick. Go ahead. Oh, well, since I was just going to say, we're so glad that you did because your voice has really kept a lot of people in the seats and it's kept a lot of people with their ears wide open in the radio too because. I tell you what, at the end of the day, I would much rather listen to the game through someone's voice than watch it on TV. Because if you can paint that picture with the words that you're saying, that is iconic. And there's a guy that has done it with the Dodgers. There's a guy that has done it with the Yankees. There's a man sitting right here that's done it for Michigan and for the Detroit Lions. And those are people 
that at the end of the day, regardless of how many years pass by, that voice will echo in the hollows. Well, th- thanks, Patrick. That, that's high praise, but it's you cut you hit on a great point about why radio is so special. Is because if you can figure it out, and, and again, you got to think about it in your brain. If you can paint that picture for that person that's watching at home, because radio does that. I mean, radio, yeah. you've got to take that guy from his house in, in Manistique yeah. to the seats at Michigan Stadium. And if I can tell you that somebody's running down the sideline in front of the Michigan bench toward the flagpole end, you know exactly where he is, and that picture is in your brain. That's yeah. why radio is such a beautiful way to connect with the listener because they need you to yeah. tell you that location, that place, that what's going on, and then they can imagine. And if you're as close to what's literally happening as they are imagining, then you've done your job. To, to be to even point out that even more, growing up, being in the UP, most of the live play was by radio. So hearing it on radio, I had believed y'all were so close to the field that when I found out you were actually even oh, further than yeah. most people, it blew my mind. I could not, I could not fathom how the pictures were created so clearly in my mind, yet from the television now, it looks like you need one of those uh, oh. opera television, you know. Well, you're right. It's And, and lately it's gotten worse. Uh, because of modern stadiums, the 50-yard line booth where you were watching the game, that's too valuable to just use for a free ticket for a broadcaster. So now broadcasters, especially the visiting broadcast teams, like, for instance, yeah. in Dallas at Jerry Jones Big Stadium and AT&T Stadium down there, if you're a visiting broadcaster, you're at basically behind the end line um, of one end. And if something happens at the other end, it's almost in a different time zone. <laughs> That's what I would have never imagined you, that. That's so you know, cool. it's the old story. You've got to kick that out of your mind. You can complain and moan about it, but the, the reality of life is they're not going to change it for you. The guy that pays $110 million uh, is going to sit at the 50-yard line and have people coming in with chafing dishes full of, uh, you know, bratwurst and mac and cheese <laughs> and, and, you know, and crystal with glass. We're, we're going to get the corner. And, and for the last game I broadcast, the national uh, the football semifinals between Georgia and Michigan and yeah. down in Miami, I yeah. literally could, could hardly tell whether anybody scored at the far end of the stadium, because I was uh, probably, if you would have take my seat, I was in the corner of the end zone about 14 rows up into the second section. Oh, my goodness. That's where I broadcast that game from. And there wasn't enough room on the broadcast, in the broadcast booth to put a stat guy on the front row. The stat guy had to sit behind me. (laughs) (laughs) And and don't forget, for everyone listening. The accommodations were awful. And that was down at Hard Rock in, in Miami, and you'll never hear about it because you know nobody's going to say anything, and they're going to yeah. anybody who would say, "Oh, they're just complaining." They were at the game. What do they care? It's about I'm doing my job, and I don't have the opportunity to do it as well as I can because you put me in a position where I can't do it that way. But they absolutely. don't. Absolutely, they don't absolutely. care. And they the network television guys get the get the good seats, and us little broadcasters for you guys up in Manistique. 
We have to watch it from the bloody nose section and try to convey what's happening from there. <laughs> well, you, honestly, I would have never known on the, <laughs> on, until hearing this story. Well, I'm there. Right you go. I was on my soapbox. Forgive me. I'm. Uh, I, I just want to remind people real quick, too, that you could find all of these and more on his podcast from yep. his book from jimbradstetter.com. And, and I'm, again, 20, 30 years ago, you literally had better uh, seats and better selection as a broadcaster to broadcast these games at visiting stadiums. The home broadcasters always have a decent seat. Right. Uh, you know, the guys, you know, but... How'd they treat you, you know, at the shoe? The visiting guy gets shoved down to the end or wherever. And, uh, and it's because of the evolution of stadiums uh, suites and all that stuff where, where the 50-yard line now, that's valuable property. And if the owner or the uh, developer of the stadium can get $100,000 a game for a 50-yard line uh, suite, then you're going to get moved off. And, and obviously, that's the most expensive, the 40-yard line suite, the 30-yard line suite, the 20-yard line suite. Now all of a sudden you're in the end zone or further in the corner, <laughs> yeah. and, and that's watching your television screen trying to give a play right. by play. No, no, yeah, the network play. guys will be right there at the fifty. Don't worry about it. All your <laughs> network guys, Tony Romo and Jim Nance, aren't going to be beyond. They're going to be right at the fifty yard line. Oh, oh god, no. Oh god, no. I mean, iconic voices, and you're and you're you're right up there. It's something I wanted to touch on with you quickly. I I didn't find many pictures, but I did notice in one interview there was some golf going on in the background, and one internet photo had you holding up a Michigan golf bag. Are you a avid golfer or a, a pastime golfer? No, I am. I, I love golf. Uh, I've played. I played at St Andrews. Uh, oh, it's it's one of those things where the older you get, I mean, there was a period of time. You know, when you when you play at the collegiate level, uh, you're competitive. Uh, I got, you know, that and, – and you like to feed that a little bit. So I, was, I played a lot of racquetball. But as you get older, there's very there's less and less opportunity to feed that competitive or scratch that competitive itch. So yes. golf is one of those games where you can do it. And so I do enjoy getting out and playing golf. Uh, I was much more proficient at it maybe 15, 20 years ago than I am today. <laughs> Uh, but it gets you outside and it gets you out and, and competing. And, and to me, that's that's part of what gets the blood pumping. Right. When did you lose more balls, though, 15 years ago or now? 15 years ago because I hit it further. <laughs> <laughs> right. Now I, now I can find them because they don't get out of sight very often. And one of my favorite memories golfing up in the UP, this, this gentleman, his name was Dick. He was 94 years old. And his his daughter would drive him out to the golf course every Tuesday for league. And he couldn't even see the ball, but he would get out of his golf cart and he would hit it and it would go straight 150 yards every time. And he'd look at us and we're like, just get in the cart, Dick. It's straight. You're telling me now my story. That's what I want to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, you've got it to look forward to. I've seen well, it with I, my I, own I, eyes. I, it would be great fun to, to do that. It's just, it's a game. It's it's a game where you get out and you can, you know, have competition. You can enjoy your friends. It, it, that, that kind of stuff, you know, I think, is part of the fabric of your life. And you got to keep doing it if you can. I agree. I agree. But... 
uh, Pat, do you have anything you would like to add? I mean, we yeah, you've been you've been over quiet, Patrick. I, we got to get you going. Here. Yeah, oh, yeah. Absolutely. we got to get you fired up. What's on your mind? Uh, I I told him I said I, I said if you feel the flow and you your conversation's going, I said you just run with it. And I just I I told him I said I like to listen. And I said if the engagement's good, I said I'll just sit here for you and I'll just listen to you guys talk because that's kind of how it goes for me too. You know, uh, I like to talk, and if I start jabbering, it just sounds like absolute nonsense most of the time but um yeah i had one question for you one of the questions that i had um you talked about you and robbie your wife uh meeting has there ever been anything that the two of you had experienced in your life that's really just made you just be an ah like i'm I'm so glad we're here i'm so glad we experienced this together just a moment that you guys had whether it be sports whether it just be life, you know, some of you guys you know. know. We, we, we've, had, we've had so many, and it's been both ways. Robbie, at one point, uh, because she had been anchoring on Detroit for a long time, was invited to go to the Oprah show, oh. you know, when Oprah was Oprah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so Robbie joined three or four other anchor women, local anchor women from around the country and had a makeover in Chicago. And and I went and it was really she would talk about Queen for a day, um, and you're on the Oprah Winfrey show. It was it was amazing, oh, you know, and and that was one of those great moments that we experienced. Uh, we've been to bowl games. I'll never forget having a, one year they have at the Rose Bowl a a Big Ten dinner of champions, and it's put on by the uh, the Big Ten conference. Uh, alumni club of Southern California and they have it at the Hollywood Palladium and and Bob Hope back in the day would bring in a bunch of entertainers and they would do like a review about a half hour 45 minutes like he did the USO shows and it was all a freebie and all that the team would be there and all of the uh, Big Ten alumni from around the Southern California area would be there and it was a banquet and, and Don Canham asked me would you MC the banquet? And I'm going, wait a minute, at the Hollywood Palladium with Bob Hope? Are you kidding me? <laughs> yeah, well, Robbie immediately said, well, you can't just wear a coat and tie. You need to get a tuxedo. <laughs> so we're running around L.A. to find a tuxedo shop for me because I had like two days. But the, the cool part about it, the MC job, you know, you introduce the coach, you introduce the athletic director, you introduce the, the club president of the Big Ten Club of Greater uh, South, Southern California. And then the biggest part was I got to introduce Bob Hope. <laughs> I mean, isn't this the wildest thing? <laughs> you doing your little banquet, and then at the end of the banquet, it's now, ladies and gentlemen, for your entertainment. Uh, every year, Bob Hope did this. He brought in some of his friends, and they were, at the other side of the room was a stage. And so I, I stood up when I was my turn. I said, ladies and gentlemen, for your entertainment, uh, year after year, this gentleman does such a wonderful job of donating his time to entertain you, as he's done throughout the years to our troops overseas. Please, from the Southern California Club of the Big Ten Conference, welcome Bob Hope and his friends. And I'm like, Wow, I got the Bob Hope. Yeah, the curtain goes away. And there's Bob Hope the other side of the room. He kind of waves. Thank you. And then he starts into his thing. Yeah. I thought, wow, I, you know, this is the coolest thing in the what world. What a moment. Right. What a moment. That's, that's a moment, you know, Patrick. But we've also had 
We just recently went on one of our bucket list trips. We we took a train from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, all the way to Whitefish, Montana. Oh, over really? yeah, overnight we took the Amtrak, got mm-hmm. a got a room at our dining sleeping room. But that was one of the things we always wanted to do, and we actually dr- drove over to uh, Muskegon, yep. took the Lake Express ferry across Lake Michigan to Milwaukee, got on the train. Took the trip all the way out overnight. Ate in the dining car. Watched the uh, in the in the observation car. We're going by. I mean, whoever wrote the song "Amber Waves of Grain," yeah, it, they were absolutely right. Because when you take that trip, you go through North Dakota, and and we took it in the fall. There are amber waves of grain for miles. I mean, this train for miles, and you just all you see was it just was it was just beautiful. And then we toured. Um, the uh, Bryce Canyon while we went down to Vegas and toured Bryce Canyon, St. George. Um, we, we did the, uh, Yosemite or not Yosemite. We did, uh, Teddy Roosevelt State Park. Uh, we did, uh, Glacier National Park and we drove all the way through this and Yellowstone. It was, it, and so that was another one of those moments. We spend and experience it together. Uh, and so that, that was another one of those moments. There's been so many. Uh, you know, road games we've gone to. We spent Christmas in Miami once. It was just, you know, the little the little things you remember. Doing a Lions game, they played Christmas Day. So Robbie came down. We spent Christmas in Miami. Uh, we've we've eaten at Joe's Stone Crab before, just the two of us, when we've been on a bowl trip. Uh, just some things. That, that, to answer your question, Patrick, there are too many of those moments too many. that are uh, that are you know I could go on for. An hour, which you don't have, but I've been talking about those little things. The Fiesta Bowl, uh, the, the, the Robbie, we stayed one year at the Rose Bowl at the Wilshire uh, Hotel there. Yeah. Robbie went up, uh, Robbie went up and found this little curio shop on Rodeo Drive that was selling uh, literally brass horses. <laughs> They're about the size of a real horse too, and went in there and bought these. And I said. What about the 24-hour rule? And that 24-hour rule is you've got to wait before you buy it. She says, I'm waving it. And I said, why do you have the 24-hour? You you can wave it and I can't, you know? <laughs> so those, those horses are from Rodeo Drive or in our house. So, you know, those, those are the stories you get in those moments that uh, you'll never forget. I've got a so, house full of elephants, so I feel you. <laughs> okay. See, you get it. You get it completely. <laughs> I'm just laughing so hard because I get it. <laughs> oh, thank you for sharing that with us. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Oh. See, I love I love hearing those stories. That's that's something that part of the podcast, that's what we enjoy too, as well as as you have it on yours, the the conversation, the flowing, the listening, the you know, everybody gets the try to experience in their own way. Everybody's ears hear things and pertain in different ways. We try to give that experience to the person that's talking, but you tell us the story because we love hearing it from you, especially, yeah. you know, but. Um, yeah. Well, one other, one other one real quick, again, Rose Bowl story. These happened all over the country, different bowl games and things. We, right. we, we were able to meet Keith Jackson, the great Keith Jackson and his wife, Tori uh, at the Los Angeles country club. And have lunch with him. And I'll never forget. I sat there like, I just didn't want to say a word. All I wanted to do was sit there and, and listen and experience that voice. And like you guys have talked about, and I, it was for Keith Jackson, 
the number of times that he thrilled me with his calls on, on college football and to have an opportunity to sit with him, have lunch uh, at his country club and play golf with him. That was another one of those moments. And Robbie was with us and Robbie really enjoyed touring his wife and they talked women, you know, they find things to connect with. (laughs) Keith Jackson was just a normal and everyday guy, former Marine who just loved hanging out and enjoying a conversation, you know, with people of of the same kind of uh, profession in, in broadcasting. Now he didn't, he didn't suffer fools very much. Believe me, he was a Marine. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. If you said that was stupid, Keith would let you know. <laughs> but we had a great lunch with him. Uh, never forget a sunny day sitting on the outside of the Los Angeles Country Club with Keith Jackson and his wife. That was that's another one of those Bob Hope moments, you know. Yeah. Well, you have given us today many of your Bob Hope moments, your Keith moments. This, I know for me personally, and I, Patrick will also tell you here, this will be something that sits with me for the rest of my life. This has been a great honor of mine. I can't thank you enough. I enjoyed enjoyed the conversation too. It's been been fun. I I hope you have great success and a lot of people tune in and and learn from you guys because you guys are doing a great job that that story about you told me about the, the person you talked to from Australia is a great story. You're helping others, and that's a big deal. And and with just one more one more shout out to jimbradstetter.com, where you can find his book, both paperback and audio, podcast, his wonderful photos, cooking stories. You also have your top Christmas list story. I have to catch on there. <laughs> well, I, I don't that, disagree that, with you at all. I'm every now and again, you know, the spirit moves me to write about things that aren't, you know, none of us are one-trick ponies. No, we all no. have interests outside of what, what our work product might be. And so I, I tend to write about things that, you know, and like I said, my favorite, when I saw, you know, whenever I see uh, It's a Wonderful Life, uh, and I thought, you know, this would be a good thing to kind of write about. Just talk about my favorite Christmas movies. And, hey, you know, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's The way you explain it about how if Christmas isn't the main character, right. I mean, you, you hit it on the head. There. Right. Well, it, it just keeps me engaged. And that's one of those things where I think I'd, I'd like to continue to do that. I hope you do. I hope you do. Patrick, did you want to throw anything else out there? Uh, we will. We're gonna link all your stuff. We're gonna link your audio book. We're definitely gonna be listening to that this week when I'm at work. And I, you know, I'm sorry that we uh, we couldn't make this work earlier in the week, but I'm, I'm glad that we got the. No, I'm, 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 I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad we were able to put it together. Thanks, Patrick, for your hard work and putting this whole thing together. And you too, Charles. Really appreciate it. Honestly, the the work Patrick does behind the scenes is phenomenal. He, no, he is was, head to the ground, and I appreciate everything he does. He's got his nose in that computer and that email. I'll tell you that. Just, and, was, the thank email, goodness. Yeah, the emails are almost like texting uh, back and forth. <laughs> well, I, I was my brother-in-law. It, he is absolutely. He's like, "There's no way you get Jim." I'm like, "Well, you know, I just we just like to have normal conversation. I like to talk to people." And then I I told him I said, "Well, you know, I got some big news. You know, maybe it'll happen." And I'm I'm so glad we made this happen. And I appreciate you coming on here. This is. This has been more than anything that we could ever ask for to have you well, on here, I, and I appreciate it. I thank you guys both very much for having me on. And if you go back to that podcast, you can go back to a lot of different episodes. I mean, oh, it will. The right down to the bottom of the link, you can get to season two. 
there's there's all kind of Mickey Redmond, I think, is a great one. Uh, I've got Greg Kelser on there uh, from years ago. Um, I just if, if something strikes your fancy, go ahead and uh, and this year I got you say I got Jerome Bettis, Carol Hutchins is going to be on this year. I've got Jim Hackett, uh, former athletic director at Michigan, talking about being a CEO. Of yeah. Also being a athletic director and hiring Jim Harbaugh. I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking forward to you talking about when the uh, the new teams join the conference, the Big Ten, and what your opinion on that is. I can't wait for that one. I know you're going to have some. Uh, hey, <laughs> hey, hey college athletics is at a place I never thought it would be, and nope. let's put it this way. From my perspective, and remember, I'm an old dinosaur. Uh, I'm I'm a traditionalist, yep. and and I I just to me, it's headed toward a direction. For instance, USC and UCLA playing Michigan, it should be in a Rose Bowl. It shouldn't be a regular season game. My father shares that opinion. Yeah, it shouldn't be a it shouldn't be a conference game. It should be a one time only kind of a thing. And yet now we're gonna. I think we're leading to what what will ultimately be there. There won't be any Big Ten conference. There won't be any Southeast conference. There's going to be four major conferences around the country, and they're all going to ultimately wind up trying to figure out a way to get a 12-16 team playoff at the end of the year, and uh, they'll they'll wind up playing the uh, wind up playing the national championship game on the off week before the Super Bowl. You know, two weeks off the between the. Yep. Uh, NFC champion, AFC championship game and a Super Bowl yep. that next weekend to put the college championship in there. Uh, it'll be on its own. TV ratings will be through the roof, just like it will be the Super Bowl. And uh, I, don't well, know. I hope the heart doesn't leave. I, my, I, my biggest I think, fear. I just, I think that's where we're headed, at, at least in the major sports. And it's yeah, not yeah. a question that uh, I, I like at all. I, I agree with you. I, most of us do. One of the things you hear the most from college football fans is what we enjoy most about the game is the heart those those men bring to the field every single day. So I just I, I hope that the the corporate greed doesn't seep into the heart on the field. Well, that that Charles and the other thing is that we cannot. I mean, let's remember you watch the University of Michigan or any university, Alabama. Uh, Michigan State, to, to Purdue, in the past, throughout history, those those young men have been students. Yes. And they're student-athletes. And if we ever lose the educational component yep. to to the games, that they're, they're actually working their way toward a degree, and they're playing for, quote-unquote, the love of the game, and not necessarily uh, an NIL money mm-hmm. or, or, or a contract, uh, I agree. Then we've we become semi-pro, and that's not what I think it was supposed to be. It will it, it, go back and look and, at the. the, the I was uh, say you touch on this in your podcast also on yeah. bradstever.com and you had mentioned the Mickey Redmond post. One more uh, that that for those of you listening um, is season three, episode three. Oh, good and for it you! Appears to be a really, really good one. Well, so, I'm yeah. great because. You guys up in the UP, obviously, I know about hockey. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we love Mickey. We love right. <laughs> oh. No place for a nervous person, huh? Yeah. <laughs> nope. But if you, Mickey will Mickey will tell you, and I just was blown away when I talked to him. He's First of all, he's a great guy and, and is a friend of mine. And so 
I asked him about when the Russian five came up and, and Mickey said, which here's a, here's a grizzled old hockey veteran that played back in the days of John Beliveau and Ivan Cornoyer and the Montreal Canadiens. <laughs> and he said, when the five Russians showed up in Detroit, they changed the way I perceived the game. Now, you listen to that episode, and I was going to say, don't say any more about it. Listen, well, I, I, that, we love you, we appreciate you, but I know it's on your podcast. I want right. to get people that, on your podcast. But, but that's the thing you talk about: talking and getting, learning things. Yep. You know that yeah. you didn't know, and how interesting that. I learned that from Mickey's podcast, and then I said, "Wow, that that stuff is something." So anyway, yeah, thanks yeah. for everything that you well, do, and you. all the greatest success. In Boys in the Woods podcast. Yeah, thank absolutely. you, Jim. Thank Appreciate you so much, it. and much love to you and your family. Many, many blessings moving forward. Thank you so much, guys, and and stay well. Oh, stay you well. too. Go blue. Go blue. Go blue.